And good morning, Grace Vineyard, and those of you watching this on our YouTube channel. I trust that you remembered to adjust your clocks before going to bed last night, and that you enjoyed your extra hour in bed this morning. Now this morning we continue the series on the book of Acts, looking at Acts chapter 15. At the end of chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas arrive back in Antioch after their first apostolic or missionary journey to Cyprus and Asia Minor, or as Johnny said last week, modern day Turkey. I want to pause and explain something here before we move on about these two terms, apostolic and missionary. We know that Paul is recognized an apostle. Then why do people speak about his missionary journeys? At the back of many Bibles, there are often maps of various descriptions, and normally among them, there are maps of Paul's four journeys, showing his travels of when he was sent out to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel. They are often marked as Paul's missionary journeys. If Paul was an apostle, why did he go on missionary journeys? Now, there is a simple explanation to this. And it all boils down to translation. The English Bible that we read today is a translation. The Old Testament was originally written primarily in Hebrew with a smattering of Aramaic. The New Testament was written in Greek. And the term apostle is a translation of the Greek word apostolos, which means a sent one or one who is sent. By about 400 AD, the whole Bible was translated into Latin and became the Bible of the day for nearly the next 1,000 years. And the Latin translation of the Greek word apostolos is missio, which, mean, which when translated into English becomes mission. So essentially, an apostolic journey is the same as a missionary journey. Missionary has been the popular term used by the Western Church for the past 200 years as the Church has moved away from using the term Apostle. That is a teaching for another time. Just be aware that an apostolic journey and a missionary journey are one and the same. I hope this helps. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are able to meet as your Church because of your love for us and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Help me today, through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, to speak your word, and open our ears and hearts to hear what you have for us today. Amen. As I said at the beginning, we are looking at Acts chapter 15. It's an interesting chapter, as it focuses on two disputes that happen in the church in Antioch, and how they are handled. I'll, fa I'll focus mainly on the initial dispute and then at the end speak briefly about the second dispute. I've titled this message Disputes, Discussion and Decisions. I'm not going to read the whole chapter but we'll read portions of it and then speak about what I've just read. Let's begin with the first three verses of Acts chapter 15. So Acts chapter 15 verses 1 to 3. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, 
to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. Now we don't know who these men were, they are not named, but it sounds like they are converted Pharisees who were still holding on to the traditions of their past. There are three things that I want to comment on from these first three verses. Firstly, it is important that we know the people we give a platform to in the church. Those who are given the opportunity and responsibility to teach and preach the word of God in the church. Now, I wholeheartedly believe in the priesthood of all believers. But that does not mean just anybody is given the opportunity to teach and preach in the church. Because that is a responsibility that cannot be taken lightly. And can cause damage that then takes a long time to repair. Secondly... When something wrong is declared or taught publicly, it needs to be corrected publicly without belittling the person. This ensures that those who have heard what was said also hear the correction. So they understand the truth and are not confused or led astray by false teachings. Later, you can meet with the person privately and explain why what they said was wrong and help them to understand the truth. Thirdly, in the church it is so important that we have people that we are accountable to and can go to when we are unsure of something. This is particularly, particularly true for leaders and especially when it comes to doctrine. In the vineyard there is such a wonderful support system for senior pastors. Jill and I have area leaders that we can turn to for help and guidance if we are facing any difficulties. If they are unable to help us or, or feel it's something that needs more wisdom and experience than they have, there are regional leaders that are available to us. Now most church denominations have systems in place to help and support their church leaders when they are facing challenging times. Paul and Barnabas set such a wonderful example to the church, especially to leaders with their actions. They debate with these men and don't just let them get away with saying something that they do not agree with. They don't make a decision on their own or go to Jerusalem on their own. They go as a team to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the leaders of the church in Jerusalem to try and resolve this issue. Especially as those who brought these false teachings had come from Jerusalem. Team and teamwork are so important in the church. Jesus never sent out individuals. He always sent out pairs to go and prepare the ground for him. On this journey, Paul and Barnabas continue to share the gospel with the people they encounter along the way, as well as tell their stories from their first mission trip to the churches along the way to Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas seem to always be on the lookout for opportunities to make disciples and to encourage those disciples and the local churches. Let's read on. Acts chapter 15 verses 4 to 15. 
When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophet are in agreement with this, as it is written. When Paul and Barnabas and the team arrive in Jerusalem, they are welcomed by the church, the apostles and the elders, the local leaders of the church in Jerusalem, who are only too happy to hear their stories from their first mission trip to Cyprus and Asia Minor. Once more, there is a reaction from some believers who are recognized as coming from a Pharisee background. They insist on the same requirements as the men who went to Antioch and caused the dispute there. Once more, a good example is set by the leaders, the apostles and the elders. They meet to consider the question and only after much discussion does Peter get up to speak, recounting his experience with Cornelius and the Gentiles and how God accepted them and baptized them in the Holy Spirit. How the law only shows us how far short we come in trying to live lives acceptable to God. We all stand before God as sinners, and no good works or trying on our parts can change that or save us. Verse 11 is a crucial verse here. Peter is very emphatic here. No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. It is by grace that we are saved, through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see this point being emphasized over and over in nearly all of Paul's letters and writings. We are saved by grace. Jesus has made the way for us to be saved. He's done the work. He has made the sacrifice. He has paid the price. His life for mine. We can't do anything to earn our salvation. It is a free gift from God that we receive when we confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, according to Paul in his epistle to the Romans in chapter 10, verse 9. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is recognized as the leader of the church in Jerusalem, then addresses the people, and using scripture, explains God's plan to redeem the Gentiles from 
as well as the Jews, and goes on to explain what the leaders had discussed and decided. Let's read further. This is James now speaking. Acts 15, 19-23 It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. With them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Now I'm not going to read the rest of the letter. But in it they acknowledge that the men who had disturbed them in Antioch had no authority from the church in Jerusalem to go and teach what they taught. And then they explain the four practices that need to be avoided. Now it is worth noting that those sent by the church in Jerusalem were not just some random guys who happened to be available, but two men who were leaders among the brothers, some of their best men. Now we always send the best when we, ha when we have uh, something that we want to go and bless others and encourage them with. We send out our best. Let's read further. Acts 1530-35, the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the brothers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Verse 34 is a disputed verse. If your Bible has footnotes, you will see the disputed verse. Now what stands out to me is the fact that Judas and Silas were in no hurry to get back to Jerusalem, but spent time with the church in Antioch, encouraging and strengthening the church using the prophetic gift that God had given them. This is so different from today where people fly in for meetings and fly out again within the day or in a couple of days. And when we were living in Malawi and leading the church there, we invited church leaders from South Africa fairly regularly to come up and visit us and give input into the church and in our, into our lives. We were blessed because we would get them for a week and that was a long time. Now, this was primarily due to the flight schedules. In South Africa, the leaders would normally visit a church for a weekend or a couple of days, midweek at most. Judas and Silas spent some time in Antioch before being sent off with the blessings of peace. I love that. Sending people off with the blessings of peace. It is one of the reasons we always like to pray for people when God moves them on from Grace Vineyard. 
This is not just for leaders. It is for any individual, couple or family that is leaving. It is so important to be released and sent off with the covering and blessing of those that you are leaving. And even though Judas and Silas were not from Antioch, they had spent significant time there that the church wanted to send them off with the blessings of peace. Before we get into the last section of this chapter, I want to comment on the last verse of the previous section we read. Verse 35 says, But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. It is good to see that it was not just Paul and Barnabas doing all the teaching and preaching, but there were many others. It is always good to have a preaching team. And I am so glad that I am not in a church where the pastor is expected to do all the preaching. Now even if I was full time in this church, I would still want other people to preach and teach. For two reasons. Firstly, as a leader, it's my responsibility to raise up and equip others for works of service. And preaching and teaching are part of those works of service that can be done by people who are not necessarily pastors or even leaders. Secondly, there are gifted communicators and teachers in the church that need to be given the opportunity to use and develop their gifts to be a blessing to the rest of the body of Christ. Some will only ever preach and teach in a local church, but others will go on to greater platforms than the local church. But if they're not given the opportunity, they will never get the opportunity to do that, and we will never know how good they are. So if you are ever asked to prepare a message, be it a small group or a Sunday meeting, take it as an opportunity to grow and develop and not see it as a burden that is too heavy for you. Now we are blessed at Grace Vineyard to have a really good preaching team. Let's move on to the last section of this chapter, where once again we find a dispute happening. Acts 15 verses 36 to 41. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take Mark, also, uh, John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Here we see a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas over taking Mark with them on their next trip. Mark had been with them on their first trip, but he left them when they got to Perga to go back to Jerusalem, according to Acts 13 and verse 13. No reason is given for him leaving, but he went to Jerusalem and must have moved back to Antioch sometime later. Paul must have felt Mark's reason for leaving them on the first trip was not important enough and felt deserted by him. And this caused tension between him and Barnabas. And what puzzles me is why the other leaders in Antioch did not try to help Paul and Barnabas resolve this issue. Maybe they did, 
We don't know. I know from experience there are times when some disputes don't get resolved immediately and some hurt and separation is caused. In my nearly 25 years of church leadership, I've experienced a few of these disputes where they are not resolved initially, but invariably God brings about a healing and a restoration of relationship down the line. Barnabas and Mark head off to Cyprus while Paul takes Silas and begins his second missionary journey. Now, is this Silas the same one who came from Jerusalem with Paul and Barnabas and the team? Many think it is. And this is what the disputed verse 34 is about. Did he go to Jerusalem and return to Antioch at a later date? Or did he, as the disputed verse says, but Silas decided to remain there? Either way, Silas is now traveling with Paul, and from this point on, the book of Acts tends to follow Paul and his companions on their travels. This is the last time you hear about Barnabas in the book of Acts, but it does seem that the rift is eventually healed, and Paul and Barnabas do work together again, along with Mark, as he mentions both of them in some of his letters to the churches. What Barnabas and Mark did, we do not know. But I can't believe that they were not effective in their work in Cyprus and wherever else God took them. It's just that we don't have any records of their travels. I believe that the devil tried to sow discord and discontentment between Paul and Barnabas and disrupt the team. Which he did, but he didn't succeed in destroying it. All he succeeded in doing was creating two teams to travel to two different places. God will never be thwarted by the devil's disruptions. He can always turn a dispute and disruption into an advantage and see the advancement of the kingdom of God continue. Where the devil has tried to cause disputes and disruptions in your lives, turn the situation over to God and allow him to turn it into something that sees the kingdom of God advance and Jesus being glorified. Gather a team of friends around you. Pray together and seek God's face, and let him deal with it. Amen. Break out into into your breakout groups, and there are questions for you to discuss. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you that you speak to us, that you show us, Lord, that even amongst leaders there can be disputes, But you are there with us and you will always bring about a healing. Father, let our hearts always be turned to you. Let us not hold anything, any grudge against anyone. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent your Holy Spirit to be with us. Thank you, Lord, that you show us we need to be part of a team and we need to work together with one another supporting and loving and caring for one another. Do this with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen.